welcome back to the Low Bottom High Rise Podcast, you guys. I have wanted to get this guest on here for forever. Even before I launched this podcast, I knew that I needed to bring this conversation to my platform. Katherine Hansen is the author of the book Brain Over Binge, the book that completely transformed my life Gosh, I want to say it was a decade ago, and we get to dig into the conversation of how she came to be where she is today, which is recovery from an eating disorder, her philosophy, what she teaches. I will tell you, if you've ever struggled with disordered eating, this approach is radically, radically different than anything you've ever heard before and a huge part of my own personal recovery. So let's dig in. Honestly, I mean, you are one of, I've talked to like had a lot of big names on the podcast and I, you know, have people on the podcast every week that I'm so excited to talk to, but you are one of the most sought out by me um, because of my experience with your work and your book. And also because of the audience, that's, I think, you know, an audience to this podcast. So You wrote a book. Well, I want to know it all. So you wrote a book called Brain Over Binge, and you wrote that, what did you say, maybe how many years ago? I published it in 2011, but I started writing it in like 2006. My recovery was in 2005, and I really started writing it pretty soon after because it was like so fresh in my mind, but I didn't really get the courage to sort of publish until 2011. Gotcha. And so I probably picked it up in like 2012 or 2013, maybe years ago, and it was my background being, I hate to say background, we're not talking about schooling background, we're talking about bulimia, you know, binge eating, all of that. Um, but that was where I was. And your book was radically different than anything else I had ever done. Um, gosh, I was thinking, of course, I want you to talk in this podcast mostly, but I think it's important to share from my standpoint that I had tried every diet and, you know, we don't call them diets anymore. Now it's like renamed, you know, paleo, raw, vegan, whatever you want to call it. They're still all diets. I had tried everything out there. There was a span where I even went to Overeaters Anonymous. I was so desperate and type A, right? Enneagram three, like whatever I put my mind to, I can accomplish but I couldn't accomplish recovery from binge eating. I just couldn't. And the hopelessness that comes with that and the shame and the double life, it is the heaviest cloak to wear. And I know that you get that. And, um, and it seemed to me that every, every recovery method I tried, a lot of times I got deeper into it, right? I got deeper into the disorder, which makes complete sense with your teachings and your philosophy. And so when your book came into my life, it just set me free. You know, it took the shame away. It took the guilt away. It made me realize, and I want you to obviously speak into this, that it was a brain. I don't even want to say brain problem because it wasn't like I was responsible or I was born with this brain problem. It was just a wiring that I had created and I could unwire it. And so what I want you to do, if you will, will you share a little bit of your story kind of, you know, into recovery and and how you ended up coming up with these teachings, 
And then I want to, I would love for you to chat, like, what is brain over binge? What is the recovery? What is the philosophy? As if I've never read the book, right? I go back to it all the time because I just need those reminders. So I know it inside and out, but I really want my audience to be able to hear it because, you know, from fresh eyes, because that's, that's the perspective they're going to be coming from probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can sort of dive into my story if that's a good place to start. And I'll try to be brief because like the book is 300 and something pages. So I'll try to condense it. But yeah, I just started dieting when I was a teenager. I was like 15 and and like a lot of girls do. And and even boys too, you start to get self-conscious about your body. And I, I fell into dieting kind of innocently. And I was kind of like you, that sort of type A personality, dieting quickly became something I became obsessed with. I became obsessed with food. I became obsessed with my weight, trying to control it. Um, And during that time of about a two year span, I really got severely underweight and I became obsessed with food. Like not only my dieting, but my cravings increased. All I wanted to do was eat and I tried to fight it. And I thought that, you know, stricter diets were the cure. I thought that I could rein it in. I would started having episodes where I would slip a little, overeat some, really feel guilty about it. And then about two years after the dieting started, I had my first binge. Like I, I woke up and I described it in the book. I just felt this incredible urge to eat that I had never felt before. I, my first binge was about eight bowls of cereal and I just felt awful after I, I didn't know what happened. I didn't understand. I just knew that I was yeah, felt awful. And I felt even more determined to diet. So mm-hmm. I restricted food. I overexercised for the first time, like to sort of compensate. And it just started a cycle where I started binging more and more. I started having these episodes of just out of control eating. And I would, um, you know, it started happening maybe once a week and then twice a week. And it eventually became just this life consuming habit that continued for six years. And I just felt like, something's wrong with me. I cannot get control of my food. And I've talked to so many women who, and men as well, um, you know, it affects both genders and it's, um, definitely like something, like you said, you feel like something's wrong with you and you want to seek help. So I did end up seeking therapy. It didn't end up being helpful for me. And like you said, in a lot of ways, it kind of seemed to make things worse because it made it seem like, there was something wrong with me. Like yeah. there was something in my childhood. There was something in my emotions. There was something in the way I was coping with life. There was stressors that was, was triggering the episodes. It was all about like finding the deeper meaning in it. And yeah. if I could somehow find what, why I was using binge eating to cope, that's mm-hmm. not what I believe today, but that's what I was taught. You're using binging to cope. And if you can figure out what you're using binging to cope with, and then find other ways to cope, or find other ways to handle stress, then you can let go of the behavior. Yeah. But this went oh on for gosh. like you're, so long. Yeah. You're bringing me back to like <laughs> all the days of therapy. And it's so easy to buy that philosophy because it makes sense, right? Like when we binge, it's an, it's an absolute numbing out. I mean, I'm actually a recovered alcoholic too. So like, I'm like, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. I used to numb my emotions with alcohol. I replaced that with food. So what is that underlying issue? What's wrong with me? Like that was always the dialogue. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so I I really tried. I mean, sometimes it felt so confusing. I couldn't figure it out. I would think I had an answer as to why I binged, but that wouldn't really help me. I would still be consumed by the urges. Once that urge to binge showed up, it was like none of that other 
stuff mattered. All I wanted was the food. Even if I tried to figure out an underlying issue, like even if I solved that underlying issue, it didn't stop those incredible urges from coming. So it was just this endless cycle. I was exhausted. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I can get into sort of what eventually helped me, like you said, was information about the brain. And what I mainly pulled it from was a book I found called Rational Recovery by Jack Trippy. And that was something that it it was um, went against, you mentioned Overeaters Anonymous, it, it went against Alcoholics Anonymous. And it was basically saying that you can stop drinking without like solving your whole life, without thinking that you're powerless. You can actually take control of this. And it explained addiction in light of the brain. And that really got me interested in like, what is going on in my brain? And I really found through a lot of my own insights and what I read in that book and other books was that the binging was really a primal response. It was my what I call my lower brain reacting to the severe food restriction. And this is like, it wasn't just me. This is played out in like animal studies. It, I talk a lot about the Minnesota starvation experiment in my book, actually in the second edition that was um, yeah. published. I, I, I added that. Oh, good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so I, you know, this is not something that was just me. There wasn't something wrong with me. This is like what the brain does when it's food deprived. It makes sense. Survival reaction to when you're starving, your brain is trying to protect you. So I was yeah. like, wow. Okay. So that makes sense. Why I started binging because so I was like, let's talk, let's dig a little deeper on that. Like, yeah. cause you're hitting on so many good things. I, I want to <laughs> like say a thousand things, but these urges that, you know, a lot of people are going to be able to totally relate to. And some people are going to be like, that sounds insane because it, it's, it's a, it's a crazy thing that happens. And mm -hmm. I was never addicted to like hardcore drugs, but that's the only thing that I could ever kind of explain how it would feel, you know, an urge when you're a binge eater is so incredibly overwhelming nothing can stand in your way of, of acting on that and consuming a, a ton of food. So dig into that a little bit for us, where, give me like kind of those bullet points of like, where does the urge come from? Yeah, for sure. I obviously just said it, but I'm like, I want to make sure people are getting yes. it. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes I tend to just go on and on, but yes, I love that you stopped me and we can definitely like dive into these concepts deeper. But like, like I sort of mentioned the survival instincts is the, the original cause, like for me. Now, some people do develop the urges to binge in other ways, and maybe we can get into that later. But as far as my story and so many other people's stories, it starts with that diet. And like, it's very innocent in a lot of cases. You don't know. You're trying trying to just maybe even be healthier and you restrict yeah. your food. It may get a little out of hand and you start having these incredible urges to eat. Yeah. And it is just your brain's normal primal response and stronger yeah. in some than others. You know, some people are more susceptible to this than others, but it is like, it doesn't mean something's wrong with you. So yeah, I mean, that's where the original urges take place. And it is such like a physical craving. It's a, it's your thoughts. It's everything just seems to be driving you toward food. It, it basically, um, you feel like you have to binge to survive. Yeah. And when you're food deprived, like it, it's not, you know, you don't need to binge to survive, but you need to, you need to eat more food. And if you don't obey your brain and, and eat more food, then it sort of takes action to force you to eat, to force you to make your body survive. So yeah, yeah that's how it starts. And then 
the urges just continue. If you're in that, a lot of people are in a cycle of binging, purging, binging, restricting, and it fuels those survival instincts, but eventually it does become a habit and it becomes something that your body just seems physiologically addicted to. I mean, you could definitely use the word addiction and that you still feel, even if you're not food deprived anymore, you still feel like you have to binge to survive. That's the way your brain is conditioned. It, it develops strong neural pathways that are just conditioned to drive you to binge over and over to maintain that habit. Yes. I remember, um, I, I don't know at what point I was, maybe I was reading the book and, and watching this happen, but it was something in, it was probably Los Angeles or something like that, where there were major riots happening. I mean, over the last 10 or 12 years, we've had lots of those situations, but it's where these animalistic behaviors take over, you know, and you're watching the news and you can't even comprehend human beings acting like this, you know, stealing and, and just the, just the insanity that comes out when you have this just animalistic fear that takes you over. And I remember thinking like, that's exactly what binging feels like, like something. So like you said, primal Mm -hmm. takes over. It's completely out of your control. No amount of willpower is going to do anything. And just like you also said, so innocently starts, right? It wasn't for me, I think until 11th grade. And I was like, oh, I should like lose a few pounds for homecoming. So I'll start eating one bagel a day. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because that's what I saw other girls doing. There was nothing in my history that, well, I would say my type A driven personality is probably a little piece of it, but there wasn't any, you know, sexual abuse or anything that, a lot of eating disorder therapies point to. And so it was super confusing. Like, why is this happening to me? And it was so innocent to start and it just happened so fast. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. And it quickly does become reinforcing because, because if you think if you're food deprived and when you binge, it does feel good to like satisfy that desire and satisfy your hunger. And it it releases all these pleasurable brain chemicals and you get addicted to sort of that high of it, that it just becomes associated with all these kind of good feelings. And I think therapy like turns that around a bit and says, oh, then you must be really sad in your life where you need these good feelings. It's like, no, I need it because I'm starving and it feels good to eat, you know? And that that's kind of where because it feels good and it provides some temporary pleasure, I think it's that's given a lot of deep meaning where most of the time there's not a lot of deep meaning there. Yeah. And I also, for me, think looking back now, understanding what I know about the brain and how we can rewire neuroplasticity and all of that, I think so much of it for me was when I was focusing so much on the problem, I was just calling more attention to the problem, Mm -hmm. right? Instead of doing what you teach is kind of just like cutting the thought off and and like just disassociating from it. I was desperately associating with my eating disorder because I was so desperate to get over it. Yeah, for sure. The, The more you point to things in your life and say, oh, I must be binging because of this. Then the next time this happens, you're going to feel an urge to binge. It's almost like you're connecting things in your life and also in your brain to the binging habit. So it just like grows over time, the more meaning you give it instead of what you want to do is, is make it fade away over time. Yes, absolutely. You just said something that um, jogged a memory for me. So this was, do you, do you know Polly Merton? Yes, I do. She is how I found out about your book way back then. And when I was, um, she's a coach and I used to talk to her on a regular basis and she gave me a visual one time that I just want to share because I think it 
it just helps people understand. So she was like, imagine like this giant anthill, right? Like this super steep anthill and you place a marble at the top and you have this one groove in it, right? Like this one pathway, like, um, like a water slide almost. And she said, you let go of that marble and 100% of the time it's going to go down that path. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's binging for me. It was back then and she, I've hardwired it in. And she said, so every once in a while, you're going to put the marble on top and you're going to try really, 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 really hard. And you're going to get to make it go a different way. Mm-hmm. But the very next time you put the marble up there, now it's still 99% as likely to go down the old groove instead of the new one you're trying to build. And so if you can think of that and think of like, the more you go down the new neural pathway, the more the old one fills in with sand. And over time, you know, it's unwired instead of wired. And that visual helped me so much because I think it just gives people a picture of, you know, how we can wire and rewire the brain. Yeah. And it also shows you that you're doing it, you're binging because you feel so compelled to do it. And that's what you're used to and not that you like need it for any deep reason. Yes. If you're looking for some more in-depth training on mindset practices and how to create your vision, how to reverse engineer your goals, how to craft your morning process, all of the things that I'm super passionate about, you guys, the Rise Up course is where it's at. It is literally my lifetime, my mind in a course, every single tip, strategy, and hack that you could possibly ask me about is in this course. So jump into the show notes right below and you'll see the link for the Rise Up course and my Rise Up planner, and you guys can rise up with us. What eventually helped me was that information about the brain. Yeah, Mm -hmm. like rational recovery. And then he said that you can learn to recognize your addictive voice. He calls it the AV, the addictive voice. And that's the voice and all the feeling sensations that drive you toward drugs and alcohol in his book, because it's about alcohol and drugs. So, you know, in, in my case, I thought about it in relation to food, like what is driving me toward this food? And it was those urges that we were talking about. It was all the thoughts telling me, Oh, one more time, you can just work out all day tomorrow and compensate for it. You can, and and all those physical sensations, all like the feelings that just drove me toward food. That was what was driving me to binge. It was those urges and not the the things that I thought maybe triggered the urges. Like I, I thought it was the emotion that gave me the urge that made me binge when really it didn't matter what I was feeling or not feeling. You know, there might've been some indirect connections there. Like I'm, I was probably more likely to have an urge when I was lonely, but it didn't mean loneliness was the problem. The urge was the problem. And that was sort of the biggest thing I learned to realize is that there's something in my brain creating these urges. And that is the problem. Like I, before I developed binging, I had a lot of emotions and problems right? and I didn't binge. And today, you know, I've been recovered 17 years. I've had a ridiculous amount of emotions and problems <laughs> and I didn't binge. So it was right. never that it was the urges. So yeah. I had to learn to decondition the urges. Yes. Yes. Oh my gosh. So much freedom in that. So mm-hmm. much freedom in that. And so speak to me a little bit about, you know, he calls it the AV, the addicted voice. And I think there's a lot of power in that. And the way you teach it is kind of higher brain, lower brain, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, where is this coming from? Is it coming from this animalistic urge that feels the need to do this versus kind of my soul, you know, kind of who I am on a more human level? So will you go into that piece of it? 
Yeah, that that's sort of the biggest realization is to realize that that addictive voice or that urge is not you. It's not expressing your true needs. It's not expressing what you actually want. It is a habitual drive. It's a either survival drive when you're involved in dieting, or it is a habitual drive when, when this is a habit and it doesn't have anything to do with like who you are, like you said, in your soul and really getting apart from it was a huge part of it because I thought it signaled something deep about me. So when it came up, it was like, Oh gosh, I must need this. I really identified with the urge. I thought it was what I really wanted. And I went toward, toward the food. But as soon as I was done eating, it was like, this was not what you wanted. I mean, there was the pain, there was the guilt, there was the regret, it ruined my whole life. So it really became about seeing that it wasn't me before the binge and then really separating myself from those urges, allowing them to be there, allowing the urge to sort of do what it always did while maintaining a level of detachment from it. Yes, 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 absolutely. And so if we were to kind of pull back a little bit and you were to teach the steps that you go through to get over binge eating, I mean, that's what everybody's probably listening this far in for, right? Like, give me the concrete steps. What do I do? Mm -hmm. What are those steps? Yeah, I mean, so (laughs) to speak to anyone who's thinking that right now, like if anyone would have told me just stop acting on the urge to binge, I would have been like, okay, that's, I'm trying to do that, obviously. But it's really about developing a whole new perspective around the urges. It's really about coming to see the urges in a new way. And that gives you the power to stop acting on them. And in, in my book, I lay out five components that it's not really a set of steps. I used to call them steps. Now I call them components because it really just kind of all works together to give you that new perspective around the urges. And I can go through those right now if you'd like. I would love that. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to take notes because okay. I heard this, but I want to hear it again. <laughs> sure. Uh, the first component is to um, view the urges to binge as neurological junk. And that's maybe a too big of a word I came up with to, to talk <laughs> about the urges as if you know, they are just junk. They are not what you truly want. They have no deep meaning. They're meaningless. They're powerless. They're harmless. It's just um, like you talked about earlier, a wiring problem. And I sometimes have called it a brain glitch. It doesn't mean something's fundamentally wrong with your brain. Your brain is just throwing out this junk that it's learned over time that you no longer need. So that's the first one. The second component is to separate your higher brain from the urges to binge. And that's what I talked about earlier, like realizing the urges are not you. The lower brain is producing the urges. This is a primal pathway, you know, coming sort of from that limbic system, the pleasure centers of your brain. It's um, just this, this primal response, and but it's not you. It's not indicative of your life's goals, of who you truly are, and sort of feeling your own power and your own, like even your reasons for recovery, like knowing why you want to do this, really connecting with your higher self and realizing that that's separate from the urge. I can't help but think of to kind of help people to see this a little bit clearer is like a a recovered, you know, cigarette smoker, right? Like people quit smoking and the urges are crazy at first, right? But I'm sure six months down the road, every once in a while, somebody's like, oh, I'm going to go get a cigarette. And they're like, whoa, where, what? Like, Mm -hmm. where did that just come from? I don't smoke anymore. But the, but our brain is, you know, it still has that deep down. It's still wired a little bit. And so you can look at this as, you know, every time you can shut those voices down and choose a different path and see them as, you know, lower brain, higher brain, 
with, you know, recovering from nicotine addiction, you can kind of understand it like, oh, an urge is just the physiological, neurological urge. That's exactly just like you call it. And that's all it is. And it's going to come and go whether you smoke or not smoke and whether you binge or not binge. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and when you let it come and go without binging or in smoking without smoking, then you don't have all those consequences. And something I want to mention here is that, you know, every time I binge, there was never a, a binge that I had that I was like, oh, I'm so glad I did that. No, like I regretted every single one. I always realized after the binge that the urge wasn't truly me or wasn't truly what I wanted. So it became about, you know, allowing that urge to pass. And I would still see that after the urge passed, but without all the consequences. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. And like you feel, so then you're starting to reinforce that new habit, mm -hmm. right? And that new wiring, because just like we said, there is a reward to binging with like the, the you know, the chemicals that are released and the numbing ourselves out, but there's such a different, deeper accomplishment in every time an urge comes and you don't binge. Yeah, so sure. there is a rewiring happening there and an automatic reward system. Yeah, for sure. And, that, and that's one of the fifth component, which we'll get to. Um, and then I'll just run through the other two real quick. And then we'll get to that because I think what she said is really important. Um, the, the third component is to stop reacting to the urges to binge. And that's really about like when I used to have urges, I would get really upset. I would get really anxious. I would feel like, oh my gosh, I'm, I feel like I'm going to die if I don't binge. I have to get the food right now. And it was this, this emotional reaction. A lot of it, the reactions were like, try to find out what the trigger was, try to figure out how to distract myself, try to figure out another way to cope. Like all these things I tried to do. And it was just about stepping back and stopping all those reactions, like no longer fighting, no longer trying to figure it out, just really staying as emotionally apart from the urge as I could. And that is so incredibly just you know it's like a weight the ton of the world is lifted off your shoulders because if mm -hmm. you struggle with this my guess is you've struggled with it for a while and it is so incredibly heavy and to just say like no just just it sounds easier than it is I mean it is and it isn't it sounds easier than it is but it also is that easy where it's like no just stop engaging with the urge just completely detach and you know, go on with your life, the more you think about it, the more you're going to get sucked into it, I believe. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't mean it's going to be easy or like super comfortable to have the urges. You still probably won't like to have the urges, but it's about sort of accepting that discomfort without making it worse with more emotional reactions. Yeah. And knowing that every single time it's going to get less and less, the urges yeah. become less and less. Yeah, definitely. And I, and when, when you don't react, it becomes easier to do the fourth component, which is don't act on the urges. And that's this very simple. And I call it the cure. I mean, it's the cure for binge eating, which sounds ridiculously simple. Like your cure for binging is to don't binge, but it really <laughs> is like that. That's what rewires your brain, but yeah. it's made, it's made possible by like your reframing of the urges by your new mindset, by, you know, just really seeing the urges in a new way, by not fighting them, by allowing them to move through you without getting all caught up in them really. So it's, it's not, not acting on them. And, and that's, like I said, not always comfortable, but it becomes a lot less uncomfortable, like the more detached you are from the urges. Absolutely. And, and I also love that you broke because you broke that into four things, you know, and it could so easily be said in like, kind of one clump, but every component of it is so necessary. And so it's 
you know, when the urge comes up, like, oh, that's just, you know, my brain's junk. That's just like, you know, it's just junk. And then going, I'm separating from that. I'm seeing that as lower brain, higher brain. I'm not going to allow myself to emotionally react. And then I'm not going to act. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it, it's like so fast that it seems like it can happen in a 10 second period, which it absolutely yeah. can. But each of those components is, they're just key. Yeah, for sure. And and then when you don't act, that the fifth component component comes in, which is to, I used to call it get excited and now I call it to celebrate. Like you celebrate and like you just talked about, there is such a reward, a natural natural reward of not binging. And it's really about noticing that and internalizing that and really feeling what you get on the other side. And that does not mean life will be perfect because there will still be problems and emotions and things to cope with. But you will have your time back. You will have your energy back. You won't have to experience that guilt. You'll get to be free just to do what you want to do and what you need to do in your life without like, I mean, binging would lay me up for a day. I mean, I couldn't move. I was so full. And then I would have like, feel like I had to work out the whole next day. I mean, it like ruined my life. So every time you don't act on an urge, you celebrate that. And that actually has a neurological basis in the brain and it, it solidifies the new pathway. When that's why we naturally praise children for you know accomplishing things when they're learning yeah. to walk, we praise them and that solidifies the pathway and it solidifies learning. So celebrating yourself and it doesn't have to be like jumping up and down and cheering and giving yourself gifts or whatever. It can just be sort of a quiet noticing of like, wow, I did yeah. that. And, and just internalizing that accomplishment, it really just makes it easier and easier going forward. I love that so much because it's, I, I think when, you know, a lot of people that fall into eating disorders are like type A personalities. And I think we're so hard on ourselves. So we're certainly not celebrating our own successes enough in anything, yeah. but certainly not here because it seems silly, right? But like you're completely changing your life. Just like you said, I mean, binge eating, I used to always say say that like it stole my days. And sometimes those days were weeks and sometimes those days turned into months and you know, it stole Christmases and it, it stole holidays and, and we have everything to celebrate, you know, if we are in the process of overcoming that. I love that. Yeah, for sure. And I will also say talking about these five components, like those are the five components of dismissing urges, but in order for any of that to be possible, you have to be eating enough food. Like you can't. That's what I was just going to get into. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is at the foundation. You can't do mm-hmm. these five components without this primary foundational step. Yeah. And the interesting thing is I've found over the years, that's where I've gotten off. Cause you know, I, I will kind of like, if I start to kind of overeating, you know, here and there, and I, I see like, whoa, this is getting a little, you know, like my radar is up with this behavior. I'll pull out brain over binge and I will kind of look for like, what, what am I forgetting? What am I missing? And for me, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm like, think I'm not dieting, but I'm restricting at some level. And so I want you to talk about that for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was what got me into the problem. It's what gets tons of people into this problem. I mean, for bulimia itself, it's like upwards of 90% of that starts with dieting. Um, for binge eating disorder, it, it's typically about half and half because any anytime I'll go on a little tangent here, but anytime you're overeating and really like eating too much food, that can sort of um, grow over time. Whereas like overeating can turn into binge eating over time because it sort of messes up your brain chemicals and um, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you can use drugs and then over time you end up abusing drugs, like type of thing. So it it can develop like the binge eating habit can develop without dieting, 
but it is more commonly developed, you know, with dieting. So yeah, like you can't expect to continue dieting and to rewire your habit because your survival instincts are going to stay so strong. And it's just basically impossible to connect with your higher brain because your, your self-control functions in your higher brain, which I don't think I really hit on too much is that that's, that's kind of where our voluntary actions are controlled. You know, our lower brain might generate desires for behaviors or impulses, but ultimately our higher brain is, has control of whether or not we say yes or no to those behaviors. So if that higher brain is, if it's malnourished, if it's, you know, really energy depleted, it's not going to have the resources to be able to resist. It's not at all. And so, you know, nourishing yourself is so important because that that's the only way the urges are really going to go away too. Because even if you can somehow stop acting on them for a little bit of time, when you're restricting, they're not going to rewire or go away. They're going to stay strong. So it's really eating enough is like you said, foundational to being able to dismiss the urges and also for those urges to go away. Yeah. Oh, okay. So enter everyone's fear, right? Like everyone's just like, ah, I can't do that. And so let's like kind of pull that apart a little bit because I know that was so big for me for so many years. I was like, you know, I'd go to therapists and they'd be like, well, you just need to eat normally, or you need to eat. And I did it like intuitive eating and stuff like that. And it's also a spectrum, right? Like this disordered eating, intuitive eating, you know, meal plans, whatever. I'm a big believer in, because I'm a health and fitness coach, that there are different seasons of my life. There are some times where I'm like, I kind of need some framework here. Like, I, I don't feel good in my body. I'm not treating it the way it should be. I need to pull in the reins a little bit. And that's where I also get, you know, <gasps> a little scared that I, I don't want to start dieting because then I'm going to fall back into binge eating. But it's going to be different all the time throughout your life. At least it is for me. There's times where I can go, I'm going to follow this meal plan and I'm going to have awareness, right? And if it's a super balanced meal plan where you're eating, you know, all the different macronutrients and you're getting enough calories, which, you know, is definitely above 1500. If anybody wants to know, like <laughs> anything below that is just crazy. I don't mm -hmm. count calories and never have, but you have to be aware of where you are right now because there's been seasons where I'm like, I, I can't even begin to fathom a meal plan that's going to spin me out and, and just make me binge again. But there's been times where that's actually been the solution, you yeah. know? And I think the deeper you get into recovery, the more you're able to kind of grab a hold of things like that. But I know everyone's fear is that they're going to gain weight, right? Mm -hmm. You can't just yeah. tell me I can eat everything that I want and I'm going to stop binging they're so scared of what that's going to do. And my biggest thing is, and I talk about this all the time, you know, if you're overeating at night, hundred percent guarantee you're under eating during the day. And that's, I think what most women do. So where can people land with, I can't just have total free reign or I'm going to eat Reese's peanut butter cups all day. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. I, and in my approach, I don't really ever give anyone Okay, this is what you absolutely have to eat. But I always remind people that giving up dieting doesn't mean giving up on health. It doesn't mean you stop taking care of yourself. It doesn't mean, like you said, you just kind of allow yourself to eat anything, everything. I mean, maybe there's a phase of that sort of when you're giving up dieting that some people need to go through. But I think everyone is different. I don't think everyone is ready for just a full intuitive eating approach right away because your hunger and fullness can get dysregulated during this problem. You know, you, you starve yourself, you overeat, and you can't really expect 
to be able to really be in touch with your hunger and fullness right away. So there could be a phase of structure that's necessary. You could need a nutritionist. You could need, you know, really some framework of like, what is enough? But I think it's important for you to get to know your own body, get to know your needs and just do your best to nourish yourself. And the weight thing is like super, um, I feel like we could probably have a, a entire podcast about yeah. that because it is, I feel like it's the thing that holds people back yeah. the most is those fears. Um, I did like, I've wrote a lot about weight. I've had some podcasts about weight. I actually put them all together on a page at brainoverbinge.com forward slash weight. Just say that because I know I can't cover everything here. And if anyone yeah. wants to like go get more information, but I do, I think a lot of it comes down to the realization that dieting is actually going against your health goals. It's actually causing you to eat more. Like when I tried to diet and I was also overeating, binge eating, I was eating way more. Like if you total up all those calories, way more than just what a normal diet would be. So like to kind of step back and realize, okay, I'm, I'm spinning around trying to make this dieting thing work when really the net result of dieting is eating way more calories than my body right. needs. So like normal eating is not going to make me gain weight. It's, you know, over time going to allow my body to get back to its natural weight. I mean, binging brought me way over my natural weight and, and stopping binging allowed my body to go back to its normal weight. So I feel, and that's the case for a lot of people I work with. Now, some people are, are, really suppressing their natural weight and really like under their natural weight. And yeah, for those people, it does involve some weight gain, right. but I think it's healthier to allow your, you know, to eat enough and allow your body to gain weight in a healthy way, rather than gaining it by your binge eating, really going crazy and your body just gaining weight from all the binging, which is a super unhealthy way to gain the weight that your body needs. So, um, I, I hope that's making sense. It, it is a big topic though. Yeah. Well, gosh, when you started, you said one sentence that I was like, ah, can we get bumper stickers? So <laughs> because you're giving up dieting does not mean you're giving up health. Yes. So powerful because I think that's what the, and I'm not an anti-intuitive eating at all. I think there's absolutely a place for it, but I think that's sometimes what the intuitive eating world is is a little bit, but also mm -hmm. just appears to be, you know, if people haven't explored intuitive eating, they assume it means, you know, eat whatever you want, anytime you want, regardless of the health of your body or the new, mm -hmm. the, the nutritious, like whether it's nutritious or not. And to me, that's not intuitive eating. I mean, a, a healthy intuitive eater doesn't want to eat hot fudge sundaes all day. You know, a yeah. healthy intuitive body craves greens and craves proteins and craves carbohydrates and craves fruit. Mm -hmm. And so for me too, I think what was so important in the very beginning, kind of coupled with your book was finding a program that was just incredibly balanced. It didn't cut anything out, you know, and I remember kind of following it for the first time and feeling like I'm totally satiated. Like, I, I don't have any cravings and I don't have any hunger. And it was like the trippiest phenomenon ever yeah. <laughs> because I'd been living for over a decade with these insane, you know, primal urges to eat, binge. And then of course the, it's kind of a primal urge then to, you know, completely under eat. And so if you can find something that's very balanced and just, I also love this verbiage. Um, and one of my friends that is kind of eating disorder recovered, she gave it to me one time when I was talking to her about like the fear of following a plan 
And she said, you need to think about it as a framework for freedom. And I love that because it wasn't something I had to adhere to perfectly every single day. She's like, it's just a loose framework. And you're just from a health perspective, trying to hit that target of enough protein, enough veggies, enough healthy fats, enough Mm -hmm. this, but we're not manically counting and doing all these crazy things. It's just a loose framework that ultimately is leading to freedom. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. It's, it's a framework for nourishing yourself. I think talking about eating in terms of nourishment and satisfaction, instead of like, how can I get by with the least amount of calories possible? It just turns everything around. So you're like viewing it in a self-caring way instead of a deprivation mindset. Yes, absolutely. Oh, this is so incredibly powerful, so incredibly helpful. I feel like there's probably a million things that we didn't talk about, right? And I'm going to end up getting off this call and be like, ah, I should have asked you that. Is there anything else that jumps out at you that's like where people get stuck or people need help or what are the obstacles you see people come up against? Yeah, I, like you said, the returning to restriction, I think is so big. It's yeah. huge. I really feel like it's the thing that holds people back because they may get the binging under control and then they feel like, okay, time to start dieting again. And then, you know, a month later, they're back into binging. So I do think that continuing to nourish yourself over time and then allowing, like learning to trust your body and realizing that fighting your body's sort of natural weight is, is a losing battle that you're never going to win. And you can spend your entire life and time and energy going for that and like, just kind of waste your life, which is sad. I feel like to me, I feel like it's a, it's an empowerment thing. Like you want to be able to live your life. Like why spend it like trying to control every, every pound on the scale. So, you know, um, and then I also tell people too, is they're like, well, what if, they, they fear that their natural weight will be like unacceptable to them or something. And it's like, but this life is unacceptable to live with binging and dieting. And, you know, so it's learning to accept that. And also like, if there are issues that maybe are keeping you above your set, your sort of natural healthy weight, then get help with that. That doesn't involve dieting. Like I think people, there could be hormonal issues. There could be some physiological things going on that you need to get help for, but dieting is not the solution to that. So like if there are weight issues after recovery, never thinking that dieting is the solution. Always think of the solutions in self-caring, sustainable terms, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But you just also blew my mind because I'm like, wait, that's not the answer because we're so programmed to go immediately to how, what am I eating? You know, Mm -hmm. weight and and food are such a direct correlation in our society and certainly our minds that that's the first and mostly only thing we go to is what do I need to change with my food? And, and like you said too, you know, going to these other avenues, I know for me recently, I've been, I think it's age too, you know, thank goodness with age comes wisdom. And I've really been more intentional about water and sleep and their stress and all of that is affecting weight as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And things when you are nourished on a, on a nutrient level, when you have enough hydration, when you have enough sleep, your body finds this beautiful place to be where there aren't urges, you enjoy healthy foods, but you also enjoy treats and, Mm -hmm. and it is possible. You know, and I know this is all audio, but you and I aren't sitting here 40 pounds overweight. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They can recover from binge eating too. It is absolutely possible. And I, in in my opinion, 
this is the solution. And I don't know if you could name one quote unquote method of recovery from an eating disorder that I didn't try before I found your book. So I think that's powerful. Oh, and I will say this too, you know, that I, I found you through Polly. And so Polly Merton was just a life coach that I worked with for a while. And she kind of specialized with eating disorders. And so I think that part of it was instrumental for me because I just had somebody every week that I would hop on the phone and chat with that would kind of bring my thinking back to where it needed to be and would be a constant reminder and a constant cheerleader, you know, and, and just reminding me of these little things. Like I can remember at one point I had a random binge and I was like, oh my gosh, I don't want to talk to her, you know? And I was like mortified. And when I talked to her, she was like, so what? Like, let's, let's move on, like whatever, you know? And so she was kind of viewing that episode as like, that's in the past. Like, doesn't, doesn't matter. It has no bearing on this moment in time whatsoever. So the marble went down the old pathway one time, like that, that's totally kind of normal. And it was just this like person that I could connect with that was able to bring me back to these principles again and again. So I haven't dug into this side of your work, but I know that you do have coaches, right? And yeah, I have one at this point. Yes. And I I used to do with the group coaching and the one-on coaching, one-on-one coaching. And now like I have someone on my team who does that. Her name is Julie Mann and she does a group, the Brain Over Binge group coaching. And then she does one-on-one as well. And she recovered after like 40 years. She used to be in my groups a long time ago. And it's just wow. amazing to, yeah, to have her. Because I think it is for some people that you do need that support. You do need that sort of cheerleader behind you to, to remind you that having one binge doesn't mean that you're completely back to the start. It just means you just keep going. You went down the old pathway. You just keep building the new one. Absolutely. So does that kind of cover the gamut of resources that you have? So I I, I know it doesn't because you have so many resources, but I want to leave people here. If you're listening and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I'm desperate for help, right? Mm -hmm. I always say, Tony Robbins always says, and I, I quote him, take action in the moments of inspiration. Like if you are listening to this and you're like, I need to do something, I need help, I need this. You can go to amazon.com and click and get, you know, that we can do that in under 10 seconds. It's amazing (laughs) and dangerous, but you can get the book from Catherine Brain Over Binge. But what other step would you suggest they take connecting to your website, your community, your coaching? Yeah, well, I'll say that I do have a free ebook. Like if anyone wanted to start with something free, it's on brainoverbinge.com on the homepage. There's a free ebook, Brain Over Binge Basics, that you get when you sign up for my newsletter. You also get a free audio from my course that you can listen to if you do have a binge to sort of get you back on track. So those are like the free things. So you can just go there right now, brainoverbinge.com. And like you said, the book is on Amazon. I just published a new edition of Brain Over Binge and um, just two months ago. So that is there. There's the group coaching, the one-on-one coaching. And I have my own podcast, Brain Over Binge podcast and a blog. So, I mean, really everything's on brainoverbinge.com. Yeah. Tell me real quick about the course. What's the course look like? Yes, the course too. I forgot that. That is a self-paced thing. So the coaching, you know, you have Julie Mann to help you along. The course is a self-paced audio course. There's probably 130 audios. I took oh like- God. Every question I've ever been asked over the years, I answered it in that course. And I have, there's eight lessons, all sort of the fundamentals of my approach to go, to take you through it in a guided way, in a structured way, and then just to answer your questions, but it's all self-paced and it's a really affordable monthly subscription. So like, I always want to try to keep everything very affordable because it's, 
you know, I just want to try to help as many pe- people as possible. And yeah, well, that is amazing. And you are amazing. And I always believe because I've been in the situation <laughs> with a million things in my life where I'm struggling and I need to take action and I need support. And it's like, if you can just put every single piece into place and surround yourself with, you know, the book, the coaching, the course, and the more you can just flood your day and your mind and your ears with this knowledge and with what you teach, it's, it's just so different and so radical from what everything else is out there. And I can remember I'm just remembering now that the first time I read the book and was able to kind of immediately implement it because I was in the middle of binging, it was like this, it just, I just didn't act on it. And I, I just separated myself from the urge and it didn't happen and I didn't binge. And I was like, that was a miracle. Like how, how could it be that easy? I know, you know? So I just want people to know that it can be that easy. The thing is you have to keep kind of coming back to the work to remind, especially in our society, right? Yeah, for sure. And and recovery does happen on different timelines. Like for you and I, it was kind of this immediate thing where, wow, I don't have to act on this. And I still acted on it a couple of times too after that and just didn't take that as evidence that I was broken or that I would never get over it. Um, but yeah, some people, it takes longer to, re- to build new habits and to decondition the old ones, especially if it's a really longstanding habit. So just trust, you know, your own process, trust that you, you know, can get the help you need along the way, but it's that it's possible sort of at any age or any stage. Yes. Awesome. 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 Well, Catherine, thank you so much thank for you. your time tonight and your voice. And honestly, like you're just such a pioneer in this. I mean, you have done your own research and like developed your own, you know, methodology here. And it's so cutting edge and it's a tribute to just you figuring it all out. Like you've put the pieces together based on, you know, some other people's work that have done something in similar fields, but mm-hmm. I I just can't even imagine where I would be without you. Honestly. Thank you. It, it really means a lot. I, you know, wrote the first book, not knowing if anyone would read it and like, just to have you, you know, here telling me that it's, it's very, very powerful and I appreciate it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for being on. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Oh my goodness, what a wealth of knowledge and advice. And I know in so many ways it sounds too simple, but guys, this is what you're looking for. Please dig into Catherine's work, um, get the book, sign up for anything that you can if you need help in this area. It has completely changed my life and I hope it does yours. Thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next week.